You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 337th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston. You guys, spring is here. It was like 60 degrees today. It was beautiful out. Uh, I spent my entire day debating if I should wear knee warmers or not. So I actually, I didn't get out to ride, but it would have been a beautiful day for it. Um, yeah. You know, but that's, it's just so tricky, you know, like you, you don't want to, you just don't want to get that one wrong. Yeah. I went for a ride this morning. It was really cold. It was like 50 degrees here. Oh, fur. That is really cold. I don't wear knee warmers. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Well, I went for a ride yesterday, you guys, and uh, I didn't wear knee warmers, but... Can I, can I tell you a little story about my ride? Oh, please. Oh. So, <laughs> it's hard to Let me just get to the edge of my seat here. I'm <laughs> Get to the edge of your seat. So I was, um, I was riding out to Afton. You guys know this well. And I passed Neil Road. And I was thinking how I'm not as young anymore as I used to be. You guys know that this route sort of is a journey to the past since we used to ride it quite often. And if you keep on going, you'll eventually get to a fork in the road down by the river. Not many cars out yesterday. I definitely saw a Coupe de Ville, but I definitely saw a lack of hitchhikers, especially on the beach. But <laughs> it got me thinking of cross season, you know, harvest season, and racing. And maybe this fall, some unknown legend will say to me, Old man, I'm a lot like you were. I'll reply, tell me why. He'll say, well, we're both out on the weekend, you know, trying to make it pay. But uh, when the official yells, let it roll, and Jordan Cullen attacks, well, we'll both be helpless. Hey, don't let it bring you down, I'll say. It's just Minnesota racing. Everybody knows this is nowhere. And as I drive back after the race, I'll be thinking of how time fades away. Do you guys ever have that feeling when you're riding past Neil and you're not as young as you used to be? But I still have a heart of gold, little guy. Um, things <laughs> actually aren't that bad um, here. But, you know, you can, you can do what you want. You can, you can try to, uh, you know, remind me of the glory days of, uh, of riding up Ohio Street like yeah. a hurricane. But, you like know. Like a hurricane. Yep, th- very things, well, things well played. Things aren't that bad. Yeah. I didn't put that one in there, but I've got a pretty but good list. But sometimes here, so I, I just go down by the river, and you yeah. know, it's actually not that bad. No, it's not I'm, that I'm bad. Out. I'm out. I, uh, You're out. <laughs> I guess I'm a. I guess I'm officially a millennial or something because I'm just like I don't know what just happened. <laughs> what was impressive was, um, I was waiting for old man to be included probably in the first sentence because at some point old man and hurricane mm-hmm. are kind of 
The... I didn't. Yeah, I didn't work Hurricane, and I, I had it on my list of potentials here, but uh, it was yeah. really good. Um, thanks. Now, thanks. thanks. There is a street festival in St. Paul called Grand Old Days. Yeah. I don't know if it still goes on, but there's Grand Old Days on Grand Avenue, and one of my favorite bars in St. Paul called the Turf Club on the same weekend as Grand Old Days would have Grand Young Day, which would be a entire day of Neil Young cover bands. And it was wonderful. It was, yeah, it's awesome. Better than Grand Old Days, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, hopefully, remember how Spencer pointed out a couple weeks ago that people just tune into the podcast for the first time ever. <laughs> and every now and then, like, I'm pretty sure we're over that hump on this episode. Yeah. So let's yeah. get to why everyone wants to listen to this podcast. And that's, of course, our whiz-bang <laughs> summary of what happened at Milan San Remo. And I'm just going to go with the hot take here at the top that uh, while I am absolutely thrilled with the Chocolate Man's win at Milan San Remo, <laughs> Jasper Steven, by the way, mm -hmm. amazing chocolates, thrilled, ballsy move, fantastic, not mm -hmm. trying to take away from him his victory at all because mm, sounds like you're trying it to. made. Yes. Oh, I, I know. Mm. <laughs> It was an absolutely yeah. disappointing overall Milan San Remo. <laughs> Oof. The final okay. 30 kilometers were boring. They were mm -hmm. not exciting except for the two kilometer attack of Jasper Steven. Again, <laughs> a fantastic <laughs> move. Let, Hang on. But let me make real, it clear. Real, real quick, <laughs> I just want to clarify the last 30K were boring. Would lead me to believe that the first 250K were not boring? No, they were also horrible. So sorry, the oh, first okay. 288k right. of this race or whatever. But they're to be expected. You expect. And I saw that little guy on your <laughs> race preview. Your race preview over at the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel was great. Yeah, I loved it. And by the way, you put a lot of work in uh, writing the profile on that paper roll. I don't know how long it that took. took a long time. Line, but it it's, it's very impressive. I forget. It's to scale. I mean, the commit the commitment to the bit was very well done. However. Jasper Steven, great win. Honestly, not trying to take away from it, but I will now. Okay. okay. And just say that Milan San Remo is the most overrated classics race on the calendar. Uh, replace it with Strada Bianchi. It's just, this was horrible. This It was a bad race to watch. And I will, and I could chalk it up to one reason and one reason only why it was a horrible race. You ready? Mm -hmm. Caleb Ewan. Caleb Ewan. He's fantastic. Love the dude. Great to see. Awesome performance. But because yeah. he was there, no one wanted to race their bikes at the end except Yaster Steven. Who well, you could say the same for Wout being there at the end. Is both of them they were both fast sprinters. So little guy. Caleb Ewan would dust him in that sprint. He, you know he that's lost true. he 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 beat Wout. So Caleb got second, Wout got third. He did not take him by much to the line. Wout had beat him a week before at Torino, so I did not think that was a foregone conclusion. I was... Mm. I, Jasper Steven. Tim great caught win. by facts from uh, the guy <laughs> who watches bike racing. We, I we, watched the final... No, who should I believe? I, I agree that like it definitely Caleb <laughs> being there probably gave people pause about attacking mm -hmm. and risking it, especially considering that when, when the attacks went, Finally, very late because of Ghana ripping it up the climb at about 100 miles an hour and no one could attack. Caleb Ewan looked so comfortable. Like he looked 
more comfortable than all the guys you thought would be there. It was frightening how good he looked. It just didn't come back together for him. He almost attacked. That was the best moment of the race, I, in a way I will say, is the yeah. moment where he sort of stood up, and you, mm-hmm. you could see that he thought for a second, should I go solo? Which would have been nuts. Okay. Let me <laughs> two things. Like, sure, if we're talking about the race, yes, that was kind of cool, but it was a disappointing finish. It, yeah. And the reason it was a disappointing finish was because I wanted Matthew Vanderpool to win. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll come honest. Jasper Steven won it the way that Consolara did a few years ago, right? Kind of like snuck away and everyone yeah. kind of let him go. And then he won at the line. It was, yes, that was epic final 2K, but I want attacks, ruthless attacks on the Poggio. I yes. want crazy attacks coming down the downhill of the Trapresa to the Poggio. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a big group. It was a little disappointing in my opinion. And I didn't see the carnage cool. that is the descent on the Poggio that I like to see. Um, you got to blame Ghana just, then. I, sure, Ghana. It's your fault. Blame Ghana. Um, he, and then to cap fast. it all off, Philippe goes and gets 16th place. Not only, well, like, A, I'm redemption. stoked he lost, but then he wins by getting 16th place. And that kind of is a whole other level of just angst. Yeah. I like to think that he threw the bike um, so he could beat Kiwakowski for, uh, to get 16th place. I hope he did. Um, now, you know, look like um, the biggest uh, thing about Alaphilippe's 16th place victory at Milan San Remo is our longstanding theory that 16th place bodes well for future results. And mm-hmm. the equation has always been Milan San Remo 16th place equals Perry Roubaix victory does that work oh, have we checked that, the facts that, on that have we, like, i'll, have I'll we just accept the numbers? that one. That, that's, that's, <laughs> fact that. fact check it every single year it, it's uh it's never failed i just okay <laughs> i so here Again. tim here's the thing you just said uh to disbar to strip monument title away from milan san remo and give it to strata bianca which <laughs> that race deserves it i'll give you that but does one bad Milan San Remo really tarnish no. the whole history of this race for you? Clearly, I'm being facetious. I love the last 30 kilometers of Milan San Remo just as much as anybody else. It was just mm-hmm. this year, there was a lack of fireworks. The, the, yes. the fireworks were at the very foot of the Poggio with a very op- opportunistic win that was glorious i am at like again stoked for the dude that won it's just Can it you... wasn't like i want the fireworks of wout van art Philippe, matthew vanderpool beating the crap out of each other climbing the mm-hmm. poggio that is why i watch this bike race are, are you are you thinking that ineos is now sucking the life out of and the excitement out of races in springtime as well as just the tour de france <laughs> oh maybe i mean it was cool well, to see Pid- pidcock there but you I mean, try it on the descent. Hope, you got to give him that. Yeah, but hopefully there's a little bit of um, in, uh, introspection here when they look at all the work that they did, only for a fifteenth place by Pitcock. You know, maybe now Ineos gets back into the like. All right, we're not going to use Ghana anymore that way. I will yeah. um, say, it didn't make sense. The best that. part about Milan San Remo, besides the thirty k finish, was also um, spelled out very cleanly by Luke from Roller Derby and his email preview of the weekend in that you can wake up on Milan San Remo day, check in, go for a bike ride, 
come back from the bike ride, take a shower, go get some groceries, come back, mow the lawn, come back. And, oh, wow, there's still 50K left of Milan San Remo going on. And you've missed absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of true. I got a nice bike ride. I did a 75-mile <laughs> bike ride. I came back. There was still 50K left in the race. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. I, I so, do, do like that. Tim, how can you be disappointed with a race with the top 20 all at the same time, basically, with all of the big hitters there, Wild Van Aert, Matthew Vanderpool, Michael Matthews, all the hitters that we expected to be right there at the pointy end, Peter Sagan, mm-hmm. back from the dead, Sonny yeah. Cabrelli, Pidcock was up there, Philippe, Kiwakowski, all these guys, all there. Any any little different shuffling of things, it could have been a totally different thing. I mean, was it the most exciting? Depends. Do you like the breakaway to win? Then it was probably pretty exciting because I th- I think that move is pretty awesome. Um, I I I agree. Let me just put it this way: if it wasn't for that move by Jasper Steven, even if Matthew Vanderpool won in a sprint over thirty people that were there at the end, uh-huh. I would rate this a two out of ten. I rate it this year four out of ten. The yeah. only saving grace is Steven's yeah. Steven's really win. four out of ten. Yes. Okay, I'd little say, gu- little guy out of ten. What are you giving uh, this one? Maybe a three. It was it was low on Oof. excitement. I'll wow. give it that. I I I, w- I didn't think it was the greatest <laughs> either, but I, I am gonna defend it. It feels like uh, San Remo is it's always wonderful ingredients. It's just sometimes the dish doesn't come out right. Like you were saying, Spencer, you go through that top eighteen, and even you keep uh-huh. going. The riders have finished six seconds down. I mean, it is literally everybody who's who of cycling in the top. Yeah bit and it's rare that you get a race like that where it's just like star star stars team leader team leader you know it's it's all of them there so but you know sometimes you know you you leave it on the burner a little too long uh, you know uh something gets a little overcooked something's not ripe and your your michael matthews aren't aren't fresh as you think they are mm. you know so um, what do you have at spencer i mean michael matthews by the way it's sixth place finish great if he would have been top five Maybe I'd raise it to a five out of ten. Well, um, Spencer, where do you put this? I'm gonna give it. I guess you know, like I thought it wasn't. Uh, it's not in my top ten, you know, of Milan San Remo finishes by any stretch. But you know, I didn't think it was bad. But you guys make solid points. I'm gonna give it a four out of ten because four is the position in which Peter Sagan finished, which is <laughs> one ahead of Matthew Vanderpool, who is apparently uh, unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sagan doesn't know who Vanderpool is and just rode right past him at the line. Oh so. my God. Like couldn't even notice him. No. That was, I, someone else put it on Twitter. I think Bill Shiken started the the thread about like, I wonder if Sagan still doesn't know who Vanderpool is. And someone was like, I think about that quote a lot. And of course we're referring to the quote that Peter Sagan said that he didn't know who Matthew Vanderpool was when he was asked if Matthew Vanderpool uh-huh. should be racing mountain bikes. Uh-huh. along with road and he's like i don't know who that is bill, um bill makes a lot of good uh points uh in regards to cycling but that one should be attributed to me tim oh is that okay well <laughs> i uh <laughs> oh by the way uh, i guess that was uh, uh some Spencer guy from the came podium. Yes, some some guy from the slow ride podcast came up with that uh-huh. but i do think about that quote a lot someone else said that too like that that routinely comes up in thought whenever i think about how good matthew vanderpool's do it i'm like I wonder if Matthew, if uh, Peter Sagan now knows 
Um, but can I give tweet of the weekend to Tom Schoons of Trek sure. Segafredo, who hours before, hours before Milan San Remo commenced, mm-hmm. Tom's goes, best of luck to the broadcasters today at Milan San Remo. If you need something mm-hmm. to talk about, there's plenty of fun facts about Latvia. One, more than 50% of it is forests. Two, more breweries per capita than Belgium. And three, and here's the kicker, better chocolate than Belgium, scientifically proven and unquestionable. Tom Skewns, knowing in his tweets that the fact that Jasper Steven is the chocolate man and has mm-hmm. his own chocolatier factory, he's like Willy Wonka of the professional Peloton, was going to come up in conversation. I'm going to start watching and reading all of Tom Schoon's, uh Twitter accounts before any race because he's going to tell us what happens. That's my think, that's my prediction. Do you think he was trying to light a little fire under uh, under <laughs> Steven there, or or do you think that was like a coded, uh, you know, he was activating uh, Steven? Like Steven would read it and say, "Ah, I see, I am winning today." Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Tom's was on the team bus when he wrote that getting ready yeah. to start the race, you know, like it's kind of like inside baseball. This is, you know, the, I, I like this. This is, this is what we need. We need more of this. Whatever you got to do to motivate your teammates, you know, that's being a real team player. You got to yeah. light a fire. That's yeah. The way to go. Just like, Hey, our chocolate's better than your chocolate, but they're probably going to be talking about Belgian chocolate on the ride. You know, like it was, it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so overall, Melanson Remo happened. Um, was anything else exciting you want to talk about this race? Um, mm, no. Went over a no big bro- different climb early on, but that wasn't really very cool. Yeah, but no broken yeah. handlebars or anything. I, I didn't tune in early enough to see if a, a move stuck across the Scarponi Bridge or not, and no. uh, I'm not going to go back and watch the footage. So, Well, it was kind of, I mean, it did the, that was a little exciting, Tim. Let's give it some credit. The field did kind of split between the Suppressa and the Poggio for a minute there, and Vanderpool got stuck in the second group. He made what DeVries or whoever who is may do a lot of work to bring that back, but you know, it also it didn't really amount to much and it seemed to just be like people taking it easy because no one expects a move to go and that front group didn't really press on. So Yeah. Could have been cooler I mean, is what I'm saying. The biggest the biggest drama of the race, from what I could tell from my social media feed, had to be Vanderpool's white shorts. Yeah. Right? Early on for sure. That was that was the main the main thing to talk about. I mean, that's kinda like calling your shot and to not win the race when wearing the white shorts. I think he has to retire them, at least for the next no. few races. No. No, it was pretty amazing. I think that's the same thing as, as he can as, use those you know, whenever he wants. Yeah, it was Stiven easy to find. It was easy to find him from the helicopter. Yes. Yeah, Diving yeah. gets the motivation from the, the chocolate the chocolate trash talk and and mm-hmm. Vanderpool looks at the white shorts and he's like, I'm bringing I'm bringing it today, you know. So, so elsewhere in Italy this weekend, not yeah. only does winning a monument win, uh, it important for Trek Segafredo, they won one of the most prestigious women's races on the calendar, and I'm talking about the Trofeo Alfreda Binda. Um, the Italian classic for the Women's World Tour, one of the top-rated races, and that was Elisa Longo-Borghini taking the win by a minute and 40 seconds over Marianne Voss and Cecily Utrip-Ludwig of FDJ. 
gentlemen, I don't know. I watched summary of this. I read the article and then I watched like probably the last 20K, 15K. When I turned it on um, or when I watched the, the, the summary at the, the end, the last bit, um, Borghini was already on the attack. I didn't know until I read like the full summary afterwards that it was a 25K effort and kind of a slow roll away from everybody else. Like just a straight power okay. session yeah, across to win by a minute and 40 seconds as the Italian national champion in one of the most important Italian women's races um, on the calendar besides the, um, the, the women's Giro, which uh, comes later in the season. Pretty awesome to see. And I want to just also say that it was Borghini that also talked about the crowdsourced money that was raised. Was it for the women, female Ghent? Because the paltry um, prize winnings of the women's uh, finishers. And she donated yep. her second place finishes to, um, you know, women's racing as a whole. Because mm-hmm. she's on the Trek team where she at least makes the minimum of the, the men's teams as well. So with that summary i'm gonna now throw out that uh currently the women's slow ride podcast championship belt is with lucinda brand from episode 330 so she's had a seven week reign okay i think that we have seen on and off the bike some pretty amazing performances from borghini and today's definitely takes the cake um the way she rode away from marianne voss the inaugural champion and a stacked field at the one of the biggest races on the female calendar. That that is true. I I would say Tim, I'm surprised you're not throwing shade on her win because just like you threw shade on Steven's win because of Caleb Ewan sitting in the second group and and you were saying <laughs> ruining it, I would say that Voss in the second group was ruining the chase. Uh she and she cleaned up in the sprint for second place, so um, I'm a little surprised that you're just heaping so much praise on one track rider, but not the other track rider. But I will second your nomination for the belt, <laughs> even though I I feel like your logic is slightly flawed. But uh. and I also just want to say, any race that SD Works doesn't win, my logic is not flawed because Voss, I love Voss, great for her. Yeah, no. but. It's different. Uh, She's okay. a legend. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't I know if it's it. totally yeah. different, but I mean, I'm not taking, and I am not taking anything away from <laughs> Borghini because she won by a minute and uh, 20, 20 some k, like you said, crushed it. But definitely the cohesion in that second group. Uh, when people look over and see Voss there, they know that it's going to be tough to to deal with that yeah. in the sprint. So, <laughs> is it also okay that I'm also really into the fact that SD Works didn't win? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They're like the New York Yankees of, yeah. of the women's peloton. So I was also stoked by that. But again, little guy, I think yeah. you have to look at the the body of work, the Borghini, over the oh, weeks. Yeah. Oh, Impressive. Sure. And for as sure. the Italian national champion winning, and then yeah. you're going to come out here with some rational argument using my words against me from <laughs> Milan San Remo, which no. I do not appreciate. But I do appreciate no, no. the championship belt. Going to um, Borghini yeah. and Spencer, you have final say here. It always needs to be a unanimous as we award these belts. I think the, uh, the humanitarian effort is uh, commendable. Um, sure. 
And I am just looking here at the finish line photo uh, from the, from this race. Uh, Italian national kit, two arms in the air, no one in sight on the entire finishing straight behind. Oh, it's glorious. It is. It is the epitome of just perfection in cycling. Italian national jersey, all that. Um, so I'm I'm on board with this one. I think it's good. The belt then would change hands from one Trek Segafredo rider to the other, from Brand to her teammate uh, Longo Borghini. Uh, it is it is unanimous. That's awesome. Right. And also, Spencer, the the photos from the race, just to show how dominating her performance was. The dejected looks of second and third place all the way across <laughs> of just like, man, we lost by a minute and a half is a yeah. whole nother exclamation point. Here. Yeah. Always. Absolutely thrilled with this. So it's been a pretty Im- important and impressive weekend of Italian bike racing. There's obviously so much more to get to, but we need to get down into it. And we need to talk to our very own Italian race correspondent. Of course, I'm talking sixth place finisher of Milan San Remo. Michael Matthews. Let's go into the pre lap. What up? This is Thomas Koyinch, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, guys, here we are in the pre lap. Once again, we'd like to thank all the listeners, subscribers, and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network and the family of shows that we have, head over to WideAnglePodium.com to see the roster. And also, if you desire to become a contributing member to keep the shows on the air, to keep it fun, if you ever want to buy us a beer or buy us coffee just because you want to hang out sometime, check out how to donate. It keeps it keeps the lights on here at the Wide Angle Podium factory. We also have a great YouTube channel where Bill from Psychocross Radio and Psychocross TV put together an amazing and impressive video on the 10 most important events of Wout Van Aert's career. I was sharing that to several of my friends who I go on bike rides with who still don't know anything about Wout Van Aert other than they're like, oh, he's going to be a GC guy now. And now I can show them this amazing (laughs) video that shows, no, he's so much more than GC. And Bill had it right. I would say he nailed all 10 in the exact order. I was appreciative. Guys, did you watch that video from Bill at um, Cyclocross TV that's on the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. It's a good thing Wow didn't win this weekend or would have messed up <laughs> Bill's video, man. Yeah. It really would have. <laughs> would have to put a big asterisk on there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like the false start maybe should have been a little higher. That's my only thing with it, but you guys will have to watch and uh, judge it for yourselves. Over there at WideAnglePodium.com slash YouTube. Very true. I didn't even know this false start with this thing. So check it out. And again, find out all the rest of our Wide Angle Podium shows and things that you can support, just like Bill's Psychocross TV on the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel at WideAnglePodium.com. Two other quick ones to shout out. Our returning sponsors, of course, our good friends over at Grimper Brothers with two exclusive blends of coffee for the Wide Angle Podium Network, head to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee and Buckler Skincare with the award-winning, amazing, and award-winning is the superrookie.com guarantee, best chamois cream in the business. 
the miracle wap the tingle is the miracle head to bucklerskincare.com buy the big tub because you're going to use it all up it's amazing best jammy cream in the business at bucklerskincare.com if if you in your cycling career hope to support the weight of the championship belt on your own hips you're going to need some miracle wap from buckler skincare there you go (laughs) love it all right guys let's get back to the show Hi, I'm Hugh Carthy from Education First Cross Cycling, and I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. All right, guys, here we are. We got some listener emails want to get into, and right away, off the top, let's dig into it. And this one comes to us from Mark Cipher. I'm enjoying episode 336 from an unpopulated classroom while virtually watching my students ghost me like old grizzly messengers on a rainy day. Um, sidebar, Mark, appreciate it. As a teacher of over five years, I think I was a teacher for six, for five of those years here in the state of Florida, when May came around, it was also FCAT, standardized testing. I, every single year during standardized testing, aligned it perfectly with the Jiro, which I watched at my desk while I watched the students take their tests. It was amazing. It's when I really just put my teacher hat on, and I appreciate anybody that's a teacher that is still trying to watch bike racing. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Mark, for the initial part of this email. But let's get to your question. When presented with the option of riding along a road with a wide shoulder and 50-mile-an-hour speed limit or a beautifully paved 10-foot-wide path next to that road, which do you take? Age and parenting responsibilities should factor into your adv- answer and advice. So, yes. in short, do you ride the bike? Do you ride the trail, or do you ride in the bike lane that's on the fifty mile an hour road? Um, and then I will add a third one here just for the conversation. If it's like a twenty five mile an hour road, like the Minneapolis River Road, where there's a path next adjacent to the low speed road. So, I think all three of these need to be the discussion. Little guy, as the um, uh, resident father here, uh, besides myself, uh, because again, this is going <laughs> to yeah. go into yeah. um, the, the the question is, what do you take? Yeah. Do you take the path? Do you take the uh, the wide shoulder? Yeah. What do you do? Uh, I was on a 50, 50 mile an hour road this weekend, thinking of that Neil Young bit that blew your socks off earlier. And yeah, crushed it with that. Cr- crushed it. And there was a path next to it for a lot of it. And I did take the road because it was a pretty wide shoulder. And it got me thinking about this. I would generally opt for the road if there's a lot of other streets you're crossing. I hate dealing with that. And I worry more. Maybe I'm wrong in this, but I worry more about that. Cars don't see you when you're on that path in a, in a way that's different. You have to check your shoulder all the time. And you're going up and down. If I'm on the river it, road, I am alone if i'm alone on the river road um if i'm not like in a big group ride i would definitely just ride on the path because i hate dealing with cars on the river road there's nothing i hate more in in the world i don't even like riding on the river road but so i just want to um tim you have two kids and matt only has one so i'm not sure how this i hierarchy works i have two german cars too and they're Mm. they require 
so much attention. They're basically yeah, like having having baby like so, two twins or something. So, I mean, I was just I was worried that that little little, little Nairo hadn't made the uh, the pro team cut and like you know was yeah. off the squad. No, he's, he's going to hear he's this someday squad. when he's like, "What, Tim? What, Dad? Dad? <laughs> no, no, episode three thirty seven. You kind of threw me under the bus a little bit." <laughs> no, he's on the squad. I think that what I was getting at was little guy was the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. First okay. to the father game so, for sure. So Spencer, yes. okay. let's let's right. follow us up. What? Yeah. Um, Where are you at? I I, I think uh, the 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 busy road wide shoulder is kind of. It's kind of probably where I'm leaning towards, much like little guy. Um, but if the path is not uh, well trafficked, if there's not a ton of uh, other cyclists there, like I, I tend to say the path is for those those folks who are less comfortable being in the road or who are going at a slower speed than I would probably want to be going at. Um, but if it's a low traffic path, I might take that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not above it. I think. Uh, I think it. You know, time and place. It all kind of depends. Yeah, for um, sure. Like when we would ride out, there's a path along 36 in Minnesota out to Stillwater that has that path along it that we'd always take on the the Gateway Trail versus like a um, some other path. Um, so I what I'll say. Is it? I think I think this is where you're going at Spencer because I'm in agreement with you. Like it's it's definitely time and place, and I'm and I'm with you, little guy, as well. I tend to do the shoulder if I'm riding with multiple people and there's lots of people on the path. But the the thing that is the most important to me about the path is the cross traffic, and if it yeah. makes sense to ride on the path because a lot of times these paths, the way that they're set up, because of state Department of Transportations, that really grind my gears is when they put the stop sign on the trail instead of the stop sign at the the cross street or yeah, usually yeah. the parking lot that someone is leaving mm-hmm. so what happens is that the the stop sign is on the other is on the road side of the path so that a car leaving you know the the five right. and dime or the the save a lot is leaving that they're looking at the street they're not looking at the stop like at the trail. So what they do is they do that ghost slow roll thing where they're like looking over their left shoulder. And if you're coming from the right side, they're not going to see you and you're going to rear quarter panel the car. It just makes sense. And it's safer to be in the street. Mm Kind of like why you don't ride on a sidewalk in a business district. Um, As, as I know why you don't ride on a sidewalk. Um, I've talked about several times you run into people. Um, But (laughs) what's very important here is that some states have started to kind of change the priority of these um, paths on who has the traffic control. Because as we all know, cyclists are not going to stop at a little tiny stop sign on a mm-hmm. path unless they absolutely have to. So the way to actually do it is you put the stop sign prerogative on the automobile before they cross the path. And if that's the case, and I will ride the path all day any day because the priority is given to the bike and I don't need to always slow down because if I always need to slow down, that makes a miserable experience. I'll just ride on the road to go on to the, um, the river road. This is actually something that happens here a lot in Orlando that I will ride a bike facility in the city. If it's there for a couple reasons, one safety, because I'm just tired of dealing with cars everywhere. And two also, because 
if the facility is there and it costs a lot of money, I do think that we should use it to show that, you know, cyclists are using the facility mm -hmm. that makes sense. It's a little bit different than a bike lane. If there's a protected bike lane or a protected path, let's use mm -hmm. that. You know, yeah. that's true. I understand that point. I, you guys probably haven't seen this, but on 36 in Minneapolis running toward the lakes, they, they did a the thing where bike lanes are on one side of the road and they move the car lanes over. So rather than there being like a bike lane on the, you know, on each side of the road, they move them over to right. both onto the left side. And I hate nothing more in the world than that, because a few blocks before that you have a normal bike lane set up. And then you have this point where you're supposed to jog over to the left for seven blocks or something. Maybe it's a little more. And then you get to a corner where you're supposed to do this little dance of islands so you can get back into the normal turn lane. And yeah. it's, yes, it's a protected lane, and in ways it's nice, but in so many ways it's just, um, it's so many levels of confusion. Like, even as the biker, yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm here, I'm supposed to be left, I'm well, over here, and it feels... I think Overthought. I think you're 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 summarizing um, kind of a common problem in the United States, which yes. is just that people cannot decide what they want to do, and they end up doing a little bit of everything, yeah. <laughs> which is not good for anyone. You know, like we got paths for a while, like separated beautiful paths, and then they just sort of go nowhere or stop abruptly and turn into a bike lane in the street for a block or two, and then it sort of stops or it becomes a protected lane for a few blocks and then it's not. And just kind of like you're describing, um, we don't get the full Amst Amsterdam treatment, you no. know, where there are paths that go everywhere and are more convenient and prioritized, you know, so more people use them um, over over car traffic or whatever. And yeah, it's just unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I can't think of a city I have been to that doesn't have that scenario going on where... You know, they they push through a little bit of like good bike infrastructure, and then whoever was behind that got voted out of office, yeah. or the budget <laughs> ran out, or whatever, and it just sort of got halfway done, well, and then the, a bunch of band aids got put there. You know, that's a real good point. It's uh, and I'll leave with this: is the the classic one that I see down here is that they they make a bike path, and you're like, oh, sweet bike path. Usually it happens in some kind of master plan community. And they just build the bike path. But then the bike path's been there for 15 years, and there's now 15-year-old oak trees that they've put in that have the roots. So now the paths oh, yeah. themselves are just like giant speed bumps that are horribly uncomfortable to ride on. And they never put in any type of budget to take care of the bike path. So now the bike paths are just disasters to ride on. And you have a road right next to it that doesn't have any yep. type of bike facility because the assumption is, oh, you're going to ride on the path. And you're like, yeah, but have you ridden that path? Like, I, I don't... I don't know why you need a full suspension bike in Florida, but maybe that's why. Um, you know, <laughs> that's it's why. Like, it's so. Just to ride the path. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah Mark, thanks for sexy. Thanks for the email. Let's go into the next one. This one comes to us from Alex McGregor, Zeitgeist Rider Emission. Of course, this was recalled to last week when um, I suggested that you know David Rebelin, uh, Ricardo Rico, <laughs> were in the same. <laughs> Same zeitgeist God. conversations as, you know, the likes of Matthew Vanderpool, um, Wout Van Aert, Peter Sagan, of course, being a uh, very popular one here. 
So Alex McGregor suggests Philippe Gilbert in 2011 was arguably equal to Matthew Vanderpool this year, not counting cyclocross Palmares, of course. Yeah. And I agree with this. And I don't think Alex was the only one. I think we also saw that come through on the at slow ride pod Twitter account. But thank you so much, Alex. That's a very good point. Philippe Gilbert was definitely capturing the uh, cycling zeitgeist in 2011. Do you guys remember blogs? Uh, They were this thing. Yeah, there was this thing kind of in the mid 2000s um, that were that were popular. And I had one and I wrote a whole thing about what pro cyclist I envisioned my own cat Four racing style as being styled after. And this was like, oh, five or oh, six, maybe. And I said Philip Gilbert because I really liked his attacking style and his aggressive, you know, like willing to go for it panache. And but that he never won anything. And that was why, you know, it made sense. And then like a couple years later, he won everything and and did that, did that whole thing. And, And now I feel like I can never share. Uh, that blog post ever again. Not that I ever would, or that anyone would find it, which is great. But uh, people should definitely find it. I I'll let them hunt out there. <laughs> no, I will say that I I was on a recent episode of uh, Criterium Nation, and after we had that conversation, I forget. Uh, after we stopped recording, we talked about enough stuff that I ended up searching out um, one of your guys's blog, and I I did notice that on Spencer one of your last blog posts. Um, but oh. like four or five deep, there isn't. There is a semi-fictitious interview with me that you 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 created, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I had forgotten about this. Um, I knew you did this I at don't one point. It at all. Uh, there's a picture of me. I have a giant tub of peanut butter, and I'm sitting in the grass. And then there's a there's a interview you did with me, and um, oh. that was pretty funny. I'd forgotten about that, and um, that made that made me giggle. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Before anything else, hello, fine gentlemen. Before any other race or any other moment in cycling, I have to say Spencer is 100% right on Matthew and Wout. Um, I love this email. This is a good email. Okay, Spencer. Best one of the night. Spencer, what were you, you right about? Everything. Does it matter? <laughs> like, what, have you not listened to this show? 337 episodes worth of correct. Clearly, That's what I heard. Clearly, I don't even listen to what you just said to me now let alone 337 episodes in. I also, uh, Nicholas cont- continues, I also want, I also think we need to embrace this even more and feel fortunate that there is such double greatness as we can witness it. Of course, talking about Matthew and Wout, because I believe cyclists will talk about it in 20 or 30 or more years. And I agree with this. I do mm-hmm. think that right now with Wout and Matthew Vanderpool, with what they have done, they kind of gave the indie rock fans of cycling in the cyclocross world like just a little aperitif, right? Like there's definitely like, oh, man, I, I used to like them when they were cool. But everyone that used to like them that were cool, I don't think there's one cyclocross fan that is mad about what they're doing right now. Like they're all like, you know what? They sold out, but good for them. You know, this is like they, they did it. Like this is a, this is the way to do it. And I like that about these guys. And I do think... I will be telling my grandkids about Matthew Vanderpool and Walt Bedard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And David Rebelin and yeah. Ricardo Rico. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's when they get older. You know, that's like, hey, kid, that's when that's when when C Dial <laughs> Grandpa Tim comes out. 
Let me tell you about these two guys that were great. One's still racing. He's still actually going to be racing. He's going to be 120 years old by that point. <laughs> David Revelin will still be out there. Yeah, um, that'll be impressive. But I, I agree. Thoughts? No, oh, I totally agree. I think we're we're living through a magic moment. Hopefully we'll remember it. Though we didn't remember 2011 Gilbert, and I think at the time we thought like, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. And then last week we listed off a bunch of weird <laughs> junk and just spaced out on that year where he did win almost everything. So, Dear Slow Ride, let Tim know that Peter Sagan took fourth ahead of Schnackman today at Milan San Remo. And keep an eye on Soren Anderson this year. Definitely on the move. Steven likely going to be satisfied with his season now. And look for Mads to rule Trek Segafredo moving on. Quinn is just going to keep getting marked by B&B and Quebecer riders forever now. Friend of the pod, Bradley. (laughs) (laughs) Multi-layered right there. That's good. Well, you know, I... It's hard to argue with anything in that. Do you guys think uh, Stephen phones it in for the rest of you? You think he's good? Eat up on the table? No, I don't think he phones it in. But you got to say the way the way they wrote it, like Kern earlier in the year, he's he's totally willing to work for Mads if it comes down to a sprint. So that I don't think he phones it in. I think that just means we have to we have to look at Trek that duo. That Trek Mm -hmm. duo is the real deal for the upcoming two weeks of. Total constant Belgian races every couple days here. Yeah, what do we have? We have E3, yeah. Ghent. E3, E3. Tour to, well, Catalunya is currently happening in Spain. We haven't even talked about it, But then like E3, Depania, Dwarves, Ghent are all in the next week. So yeah, it's going to be so, a lot of good stuff. Well, I we kind of, Jasper Steven, I was about to make a crack. Like this is his greatest like, you know, win. It is. Yeah. But he's got a pretty solid, like, run of other great (laughs) results, too. It's not like he's a one-hit wonder. No, not at all. I I think think most of us knew that, Tim. No, well, no, I knew. I I knew he won Umloop last year. (laughs) But let me be clear. I knew he won Umloop last year. I did not know that he had won a stage of the Vuelta back to 2015. I did not know that he won KBK in 2016. So I just, you know, he's got a record of doing well and having it looks like one solid, like, cause after he won Umloop, but then again, I was like, as I was saying, or as I was thinking, as I said that out loud, he won Umloop. And then like, what else did he do? Well, I don't know. A global pandemic came through and kind of ran like an entire table of the season. Yeah. So let's see what else he can do. He, he's not going to bag it. I'm with you little guy. It's, I think that there's actually some other good results coming in here, especially for yeah. Mads. I mean, yeah, I think Mads has been having some good results. And, uh, you know, Quinn, Quinn came in 74th in Milan San Remo. So, yeah, yeah obviously doing I, great. Yeah, I when I, I, I like what, he, what he said. Team, it made, team couldn't have done it without him. It made me laugh, though. <laughs> I was thinking that, that just just like uh, in general, dealing with racists, it mm-hmm. doesn't need to just fall to the teams with African riders or with riders of color. Like, it should be the Peloton's general consensus mm-hmm. objective that um Quinn Simmons and Moscon uh are not allowed any daylight that the it's just you you shut it down you know what i mean like every everybody I, just agrees yeah. we're not we're not dealing with this that's what i, I would hope choose, uh, i choose yeah. to believe when he ended up in the ditch last <laughs> week um it was maybe a, a well placed hip 
I mean, like a hero moment would be that like Quinn Simmons attacks a hundred k from the finish, and and like Wilder somebody just goes to the front and shuts it down just to like wag the finger yeah. or something, you know? Oh, like the that, that would be the... breakaway like zipper. Yeah, mouth yeah. Thing. Just just bridges across <laughs> and is just like no get, get back in the peloton, man. Yeah. The, the patron of the peloton um comes through. yeah i think that so, these are the sort of we need this is a modern day patron is what we need rather than enforcing um enforcing doping silence we need, we need enforcing not being a racist before we get into what some would say is our um most uh important topic that we've ever covered um <laughs> coming up i do want to just say that we got a great review five-star review from matt hutter on apple podcasts good stuff the bike content is good the goose content is top notch best around (laughs) one of my favorite podcasts hands down yeah thanks i'll try to get some more goose you know we all, all we have is like five races happening between when we're recording this and the next uh next podcasts so we won't really have much to talk about so i'll try to get i'll make a note to myself to get some more goose content together yeah yeah <laughs> solid Love solid this. stuff all right guys did we read this um review where it's uh like the in-laws i don't uh, think so i don't remember that my first few listens started out well enough until after a few episodes where i just couldn't stand the hosts anymore <laughs> they no, they no doubt have their street cred <laughs> As they mentioned their messenger days on the main streets of Minneapolis quite often, so I suppose their smugness is warranted. Ooh. They are better than everyone in the pro peloton, and they know it. Speaking of the Twin Cities, I spent my first 22 years there and couldn't care less about the continuous mentions of locations within the cities. I can't imagine how little any from somewhere else cares. Insta Anonymous, two stars. I appreciate that it's two stars, actually. Like, I, you know, the, the... it was definitely trending to a one-star review, but um, mm-hmm. I I actually appreciate that. Um, the smugness is warranted. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we are a bit like the in-laws. After a while, you just kind of learn how to deal with us. We're we're a bit of an acquired taste. Um, yeah. Thanks for the review. Sure. Appreciate it. I'm glad we already mentioned Minneapolis. I at least mentioned Minneapolis in in the episode. So I we're. Oh yeah, we got deep into grand old days. So, yeah, you know, people have probably been <laughs> on the Wikipedia uh, rabbit hole already about all kinds of festivals and Whoa. things that go on there. Yeah, we're so, fulfilling his worst nightmares. I love it. Within the Slow Ride Podcast Green Room Slack channel, Spencer brought up a buy or sell salary analysis edition, and this has to go with one of our favorite Twitter follows, um, Jose or sorry, Josie Bean. Um, of Tour de Josie. Check it out. And in this, she mentions the salaries. Has the, the rip of the article from the Newsblad article um, of the top 20 salaries. And Spencer thought it would be a good spot for us to uh, just kind of lean in there and see who is really valued well. And of course, at the top, just to go from the, the very top at $5.5 million dollars, Five and a half million euros, sorry, a year is Chris Froome of Israel Startup Nation. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Are, are you guys surprised? I'm not surprised. I, I'm actually that, not. That team, I've not, they've thrown around money at Israel Startup Nation. I'm not surprised that they were. 
it's it so, seems like a poor use of money. It's but I'm not surprised is, he could pull that in. What is their budget? Do we have any idea? Mm, it must be approaching Ineos level just with bat, because you've got to imagine. I mean, if if he pulls in that, so, then I'm assuming Sep and quick, Woodsy got a, some a pay quick, raises. You know. Yeah. A quick Google search tells me around 14 million euro is is their team budget. So so they're blowing <laughs> nearly 40 percent on Chris Froome, which if you okay, let me put it this way: if you guys were starting a world tour team, if somebody said, "Here's 14 million dollars, get some results," <laughs> oh, they don't even get some press. Yeah, that what? Who do you hire? I would well, pay. Do you do you hire Chris Froome at 5.5? Well, no. for, for press, yes, <laughs> not for results. For press? Come on, look, guy. You would, I would pay 40% of my budget hands down on Matthew Vanderpool because he's proven that he doesn't need teammates to win. So yeah, he, wasn't, he wasn't available on the market. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm then I'd go they, to Wild Red Art. Wasn't on the market, though, man. I mean, you got to go with what's yeah. on the market. And if you want press and you're not sure if you'll get results, I mean, look, they hired Froome for press and Woodsy and yeah. Sepp. Uh, you oh. know, for results. By the way, results. major shout out to Michael Woods for his commitment to go carbon neutral for the year with buying the oh, offsets. Yeah. Um, amazing. And as we've pointed out many times, that's an impressive investment considering the amount of VO2 and is uh, <laughs> <laughs> that he expels just on like every breath he takes. Yeah. Um, uh, very impressive. Beautiful. All right. So here's the thing. Tim, do you think you're a more shrewd negotiator than the GM of Israel Startup oh. Nation? Could you have got Chris Froome for less than 5.5? I don't think do the market... Think he's worth every penny? I don't think he's worth that, and I don't think the market was there for him at 5.5. I don't... So the question is, what was he going to get from Ineos to return to play fourth or fifth um, fiddle um, here? Right. Because, right, at Ineos, you have, on this list, we have Garrett Thomas at 3.5, you have Bernal at 2.8, and then you have Carapaz at 2.2. Major shout-outs to Richard Carapaz. Um, Total steal. What I don't see on this list is uh, Juro winner um, Tao Gegenhart. I do see Adam Yates at $2 million, so someone's not getting paid uh, there for winning a Grand Tour. I would say that Chris Froome should maybe be getting like €3 million, Euro, but he's coming two years off of his last, what, two or three years off, his last tour win, major crash that he still has not fully recovered. The mm-hmm. sun, the sunset is coming. You know, All right, but you're career. a brand new team. You're, you're, the boss said, give me press, give me results. Okay. I would not go I, Chris. I think, I would not go Chris. I think it's, I think the way they built their roster is not actually that bad. I think this number is a little, it's surprising, but at the same time, I think it's kind of less than I thought he was going to, be being paid so i kind of considered him like a seven million dollar man really um Jeez. so i think they got kind of a deal wow that's saying something Num- number two on the list um pokacar s- at five million worth it pay raise there uh from uae they've got the bankroll to do it you say worth it yeah definitely worth it um and i hope he takes even more money from them at this point, right? Like, he's <laughs> won the tour. He's got the future. He's worth more than Chris Froome. Because um, I'm thinking about what's going to get you the press. He's going to win the tour. 
or, you know, he's going to be a top performer. Um, what's impressive here that I, I see is like Pogacar. I'm not surprised that he is one of the top. I am surprised that Chris Froome is still the top. Let me just clarify so, that way. How angry is Primoz Roglic at his agent yeah. Yeah. when he saw this Pogacar number? It's got to be the same agent. Because I got I to gotta, I gotta flip over to page two here to see <laughs> uh, Primoz, the ski jumper, coming in at $2 million. So, um, or, yeah. okay, if we're going to go that level, how about Wout Van Aert at 2.2 and Matthew Vanderpool at $2 million? Like that. No, see that that makes sense though because they both like they have nearly identical trajectories, and they make nearly identical money, probably less than they actually should be getting, but not bad for their like kind of rookie first year first contract whatever. Like that makes sense. I I'm impressed with the amount Poker Car is making. And I am depressed by the amount that Roglic is making. Well, I feel yeah, like Pogacars is is a sort of an outlier. Like they just have so much money, and he's young and he's good. It, it's sort mm-hmm. of not in line. If you look at all the other GC guys, they're all in that two, two and a little bit of change range. Like the biggest GC guys. Yeah, I think Pogue's got to be a little upset, but I think Yates, Adam Yates, has to be. Yeah, he's got the agent for sure because I do not see how he's warranted higher than. Then uh, Roglic and uh, Carapaz. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. What I'm seeing here is is if you're going to set up your world tour team, you can pretty much buy any Grand Tour contender you want for two million bucks, unless it's Chris Froome or Pogacar yeah. <laughs> or Garen Thomas. Yes, because all the rest of them are in that two million but range. Doesn't this reinforce that point? I mean, clearly where people value a grand tour rider over a classics rider, right? Cause if you look at it, you Peter Sagan, I understand his value right up there, right at up there million, at five million, yeah. right? You're like, okay. But after that, you have Alaphilippe. Get, uh, get your boy. Alejandro Valverde. Oh, okay. Um, Valverde is up. There. I mean, I guess it's kind of a equal distant. It is nice to see Nairo, you know, classic eighth place finisher at the tour can still pull in 1.9 million euros. Um, fantastic yeah. to see um so yeah so this is the top 20 allegedly this is not really confirmed it's hit news blood <laughs> they keep putting this out i don't know where they got these numbers but out of all of the numbers in the top 20 which one is most surprising to you barday like, doesn't have to be the the most expensive or whatever barday definitely at two million i think barday oh. that's the oh. one that shocks me I'm really. I yeah. think it's either Yates or Kwiatkowski. Not that I think Kwiatkowski's good, but I I would think Kwiatkowski's one, one point five max in that company, like that he's making the same as. I don't know. It's just it's weird to me. He the results haven't quite been there the last few years. You know, if we had seen this from last year, we would have had Fabio Rue on here, and then we would have really been. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, no, he was true. he was on a big contract that that is gone. I think he was on. Here's 2. the thing. Six last year, so. Spencer. To talk about your your hypothetical, if I had to start a team, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. still get be able to get Matthew Vanderpool at the five and a half million dollars that you give Chris Froome because you would just have to buy out the contract, and I guarantee Alpecin yeah. wouldn't mind a nice like two million dollar transfer fee to then bring in Matthew Vanderpool. You know what I, I mean? Like the, for the number yeah. of years he's signed, he's going to bring in way more than two million dollars worth of advertising. Yeah. You know, 
Money doesn't grow was... on trees, though, little guy, nor does it grow in your hair with Alpecian <laughs> lovely formula. <laughs> Caffeine oh. shampoo. I, I think I was most surprised, and I shouldn't be in, in retrospect, but um, kind of similar to the Chris Froome step down to a, a, a lesser team was Nairo Quintana. Only at 1.9, which is still pretty good for a guy definitely past his prime like Chris Froome, but also a Grand Tour winner, also all that. I kind of thought he would be closer to maybe three on his on his you know retirement contract, as it were. Yeah. Um, I, w- I was surprised that was as low as it was. What's crazy is these guys who <laughs> like they, they they rule our life, and then what's the um an average NBA um salary? Roughly seven million dollars a year, <laughs> like yeah. you know, that's like number nine on a guy off the bench of the um, the Detroit Pistons is pulling in six seven million dollars a year, and here we are like Chris Room makes five and a half million, and he's won mm-hmm. arguably the hardest. Uh, well, he's won the hardest bike race six times or five times. I don't know. I lost count. Um, he's a robot. He's gonna be looking at his camera or looking at his uh, uh-huh. new computer all the time uh, this coming season. <laughs> oh, I hope he just has a camera. He just has, a, rather than a computer, he just has a camera, and it's just, it's it's pointed up at him, so when yeah. he looks down, he just sees his own face, and he's like, just positive affirmations. Like, you got it, Chris. He's, yeah. he's probably been making TikToks this whole time. Has anybody following his TikTok account? Oh, no, that's That'd a good point. Amazing. That's probably what he's doing. Do well, you guys think gentlemen, he's actually gonna get it together this year. We haven't, we haven't no. given him much of this talk. I, I don't either. No. But there's, it's like they're still in on the, the belief, and it's, he's got a long contract. So I guess he's got like ten years to get this right. But I just don't. If, if there's any see it. podcast that has come around on Chris Froome and fandom, it's the three of us, right? Like, because we used to talk about, you know, we were excited when he was going for the three in a row, and then he was doing all of the different things. You know, people said he couldn't descend, and then he's attacking on the descents. He's doing the super tuck. Like, it was an impressive run from Chris Froome that got us excited. But yeah, we also, you know, know when to hang it up. And I'm sorry, Chris Froome is no longer the Grand Tour dominator that he once was. It's that simple. Yeah, it's true. And it'll be crazy. It's if okay. He, if he it's okay. Cash in those days, Chris. Man, I'll still cheer for you, the way I cheer for Mark Cavendish. And with that, gentlemen, <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure to do yet another Slow Ride podcast. And we'd like to thank all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to WideAnglePodium.com to find the shows. For you, we'd also like to thank all of those that have emailed us this week at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Slow Ride Pod. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. This was horrible. Tell me why. I guess I'm officially a millennial or something because I'm just like, I don't know what just happened. Wow. What an episode. That was amazing when that one person said that thing and then the other person 
totally like set them straight. Oh man, that was great. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that again. But hey, since I have your attention now, hello, Cyclocross friends, new friends and old friends and soon to be friends. My name's Bill. I host a, another show on the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. It's called Cyclocross Radio. And we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon to be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the Media Pit with my buddy Zach and Michael, where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to wideanglepodium.com become a member there then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to cyclocross radio do it do it now cyclocross friends